Today we're going to turn to Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah 33 is where we're landing today. Um, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that we have been in a new series, new uh, theme for our year actually called Firm Foundation, looking at how do we build our lives, how do we build our families, how do we build our churches on the firm foundation that is Jesus Christ and his word. And uh, so we've been walking through our, our church pillars the last couple of weeks. We have four pillars here at Harvest that are the foundation of, of what we do and how we look at ministry. And today is supposed to be the fourth pillar, uh, unceasing prayer. But I decided we can't just do one day on prayer. So we're going to do a whole series on prayer uh, from here on out. So we're going to launch this morning into a six or seven week series called Transforming Prayer. And just kind of really dig into what does it look like to be in constant communication, to be in that true heart of unceasing prayer with the Lord and how that transforms our lives um, as we engage with him in that way. And so we're going to start today one of my favorite prayer passages here. Jeremiah 33, verse 3 is where we're going to land when it's all said and done. And uh, if you're a guest with us today, really glad you're here. If you need a Bible, if you don't have one, there should be some hardback black ones there in the chairs around you. You can grab one of those and follow along online. We're glad you're here too. Grab your Bibles and follow along with us. So um, one of the greatest advances in modern technology, in my humble opinion, is when Apple finally added the call warnings to the phone ID. You know what I'm talking about? Like when the number calls in and it says like, like uh, spam risk or telemarketer. You know, who's, who, who's in favor of that? Who loves that besides me? All right, thank you very much. Like when I see that, no way I'm answering that phone call. Right, like I, I have sympathy for those low-level marketing interns that are on the phones all day and calling. You know, still not answering. Like, just not going to do it. Sorry, you're on your own. Right. Um, in fact, some of us today are so dialed into this that if it, even if it doesn't say that, if it's a number we don't recognize or we don't have in our phone, not answering. Right. Like, just let it go to voicemail. I'll catch up with that later. Some of y'all don't even answer your phone when you know the number. Right. When you see the name, you're like. Nope, I ain't got time for that. Just let that go to voicemail. And the vo- you get the voicemail, and it's like, hey, why are you calling me? Send a text. Like, what is going on? Um, and then your voicemail's full. We can never get a hold of you, and it's just a whole thing. And so we've, we've decided at this point in our lives, I guess, in our society, that we like to pick and choose who we're going to answer and when we're going to answer and how we're going to use our time and who we're going to give our time to in terms of um, talking and, and communicating. And we want to reserve that time for those that we most care about, those we most are you know, connected to in special ways. Well, thankfully, as we oftentimes say here at Harvest, God is not like us. Amen? Thank the Lord that he is not finite like we are finite. He doesn't have a limited amount of time or resources or energy. And so he is able and willing and loves to talk to all of us all the time. God never sends our prayers to voicemail, right? You never get that from him. He's always there ready to engage, ready to listen, and ready to answer. And that's what we're going to look at today is that promise, that that hope that we have in the Lord in that way from Jeremiah 33, that God promises to answer when I call. God promises to answer every time I call out to him. Now, before we dive into Jeremiah 33.3, I want to get you some background, some context here, because you know we can't just dive into a scripture and not know what's going on around it. Otherwise, we're going to mess it up, right? So we're going to start in verse 1 of 33 there, 
where it says, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was still shut up in the court of the guard. So let me unpack the setting here for you. The court of the guard basically was code for prison, okay? Jeremiah is in prison, specifically the king's prison, for listening to God and then saying what God said, all right? And specifically, he had prophesied that Judah and Jerusalem were going to be overrun by the Babylonians and taken captive and taken into exile, and they were going to rule the city. And let's just say the, the, the current king, he didn't love that, right? Like, that wasn't what he wanted to hear. He wasn't real on board with losing his kingdom, and so he throws Jeremiah into his special prison there, and that's where we find Jeremiah here in verse 1. But notice it says this was the second time that God spoke to Jeremiah while he's in prison. The first time was in the previous chapter, in, verse, in chapter 32, God came to Jeremiah while he's in prison, while the city's being overrun by the Babylonians, and he says, hey, I want you to go over here to this guy, and I want you to buy this piece of land here in Jerusalem. Jeremiah's like, okay. So he goes and he buys the land. He's like, all right, God, I did it. Give me a credit. He did obey. He's like, God, why did I do that? Like, the city's being destroyed, it's being overrun, we're getting ready to be exiled. I'm not going to get to use the land, I'm not going to probably even get to see the land. Like, why would I buy that? And then God goes into his explanation to Jeremiah that it's a picture, and it's a promise that God is going to, yes, destroy Jerusalem and exile Israel, but one day he's going to restore them. He's going to bring them back to the land. And there's still going to be value there, there's still going to be his presence there. And so... That's the kind of their exchange the first time. And then it says here, God came to him a second time. And the reason he's coming back to Jeremiah a second time is because Jeremiah still doesn't get it. <laughs> he's still confused. And so God's like, hey, I, I, know, I know you don't understand. That. Jeremiah's like, "How? I told, you told me you're going to destroy everybody, and then you say you're going to restore and redeem everybody. Like, how does that work together? I don't see how that fits. And God's like, all right, well, if you don't understand, God's answer is, hey, just call to me. If you don't understand, just call to me. Just ask. That's God's solution. That's what he's telling Jeremiah here in these opening verses of 33. And I think you have to think about, like, put yourself in Jeremiah's shoes for a second here. Jeremiah is in a horrible, scary, confusing, desperate situation. Right? Like the low of the low. And God's response is, just call to me. In fact, it, it's almost even a command the way he says it to him. But this command and the subsequent promise that's going to come with it, it wasn't just for Jeremiah. It wasn't even just for Israel. It actually is for all of God's people that when we're lost, when we're scared, when we're hurting, when we're struggling, God says, hey, call to me. Pray to me. So let's take a closer look at what he says to us here. Go ahead and go to verse 2 now. Verse 2 and 3, it says, Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. And this is what he says. He says, Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. So three things in this little verse this morning. Number one, point one, God says, Call to me. This is clearly a call to prayer. Right? Because earlier in the book of Jeremiah, he uses the same phrase, call to me, specifically in relation to prayer. We see the same phrase used throughout the Psalms, talking about prayer. 
In other places in the prophets, they use the same phrase, call, call to me. But notice again, who's talking here. It says, thus says the Lord, and look in your Bibles there, Lord is in all caps. Again, we just talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? All caps is not just Lord generic title, it is the special personal name of God that he's given to his chosen people. Lord in all caps means I am that I am. I am God. I am the pre-existent one. The one who has been here before everything and everyone. And it says that the Lord who made the earth and who formed it. And those two words there, made and formed in the Hebrew, are the original words from Genesis chapter 1 and 2. When God was creating all of the universe. That he made it and that he formed it. That same all-powerful creator God. The God of the whole universe right here, he's speaking to his people. He is higher than us. He is stronger than us. He is sovereign. He is holy. He is God. And we are reminded right here that we are completely unworthy of him. He's up there and we're down here and there's nothing in between. And yet... His call, his response, his word to an unworthy people is call to me. The Almighty God invites us to talk with him, to have a relationship with him. And I think sometimes as Christians, if you've been a a believer for a while, sometimes we lose the magnitude of what this is. Sometimes we can get so used to prayer that it just becomes like another thing we do on the spiritual docket and we miss the magnitude that the almighty God of the universe is asking us to actually talk with him. This should be a crazy, scary, humbling, encouraging, exciting, mind-blowing thing for us every time we talk to God. God desires to hear from us so much that he virtually commands it here. He says, call to me. He doesn't ask a question. It's like, hey, do you want to talk? No, he says, call to me. In the New Testament, we see a lot of the same things repeated. For example, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12, Peter writes this. He says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God's ears are open to our prayers all the time. He wants to hear from us. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says this, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he's like, hey, when you're scared, when you're in trouble, when you're anxious, when things are bad, like, pray, call to me. And then, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God, This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He's like, hey, when things are going great, when you're rejoicing, when you're killing it, like, pray. This is pretty much always God's answer. (laughs) I don't know if you're catching on, right? Like, he's like, when it's bad, when it's good, any time of the day, anywhere you are, everywhere, all the time, call to me. Pray. I'm listening to you. That is our God. He's a listening God. But we also know now, 
at this stage in salvation history as the New Testament church, as Christians today in 2022, we know that this relationship, this prayer, this, this line of communication is only possible because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. You see, the gospel actually starts with a holy God who created man in his image who then chose to sin and rebel against him. That's where we come in. We were born into this sinful state as humans where we have sinful hearts that rebel against God and disobey his word and go against him. And that rebellion, that sin, it separates us from a holy God. God is so holy and so perfect, he cannot look at sin, he cannot be around sin, he cannot be any part of that. And so it puts this giant chasm between us where we can't even talk to God because of our sin. But God, in his love for us, in his grace towards us, he sent his own son, Jesus, to come to earth, be born as a baby, to live a perfect and sinless life, and then to go to the cross, we just sang about it, to go to the cross and die a sinner's death. To die in our place for our sin. He shed his blood to pay for the sin that we owed. And then he was buried, and three days later he rose back to life. Proving that he was God, conquering sin, conquering death, and offering us forgiveness, a chance to be washed clean of all of that, and to reconnect us to God so that we can talk with him, so we can know him, so we can have a relationship with the one who created us to always be his. But it all comes through Christ. He restored a relationship, taking away our sin and giving us his perfect righteousness for all those who believe, that is. And so now he stands between us and God, And God actually, when he looks at us, God sees us through Christ, through the righteousness, through the perfection of Jesus Christ. He sees us, and Christ becomes what the Bible calls our mediator. Or Hebrews says he's our high priest. He's the one that's taking our prayers to God. He's the one, he's the the middleman, if you will. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. It says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, our confession of faith in him. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. Let us then, listen to this, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Specifically because Jesus Christ is our high priest, we can draw near to God in prayer. Through him, we can call to him. Earlier, when Jesus was still walking the earth with his disciples, in John 16, verse 23, he says this, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask. Here's Jesus' command. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. In the Old Testament, God says, call to me. New Testament, Jesus says, ask in my name. Same command. He says, and your joy will be full. That's a big promise. So, 
So there we were, a few months into our marriage, and we hit our first, like, major fight. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and I don't even, honestly, at this point, I don't even remember what it was about. Most of the time, we don't, right? Like, I, I can't even tell you. I know she was really ticked that I had done something, and I was doubling down and, like, not going to budge, and it was, man, we, it was going. It was on. And there we were, laying in bed, and arguing, and fighting, and going back and forth, and then finally just kind of hit that wall, and then it happened. Just like almost instantaneously, at this, like we both turned to the other side of the bed, pulled the covers up, and all of a sudden this like imaginary but very tangible wall just came sliding in between us, right? Now, here's the first thing. Like nobody had to teach us to do that. Like it's not like we pre, I thought like I pre-planned, like, hey, the first fight we have, I'm going to show her. I'm going to turn my back to her. And she's like, that never crossed my mind. It's just human nature that when trouble comes, when conflict hits, when there's struggle, our tendency, our bend is to turn away rather than toward the ones that we love. You see it in little kids, right? You got a little guy, he gets in trouble, he does something wrong, he knows he's going to get in trouble. Once mom and dad find out what he's, he, he runs and hides, right? Like they, they go and they, they, they try to, to avoid. They love mom and dad, and mom and dad love them, and there's a great relationship there. But when there's conflict, I'm going to avoid, right? I'm going I'm to turn away. Unfortunately, I see it in the church a lot as well. You've got people that you've been loving and walking with and doing life with and, and growing in the gospel maybe for years, in unity together, and then something comes up, either a sin comes up in their life, they're struggling with something in their heart, or relationships broken, or, or, or some major issue hits, and, and, and they, don't, they don't want anybody to know. And so they close themselves off, and they kind of push people away, and, and they want to hide, and they, and they don't want to engage in community. Either they don't want to hear what you have to say because they're stuck in their thing, or they just want to avoid the the conflict altogether, and we turn away. We turn away. In our pride, in our self-sufficiency, in our American I-can-do-it mentality, we turn away. And God knows this about us. He knows our hearts. He knows who we are. And so in his word right here, he presses in. He presses in on us and he promises, like he's like, hey, I'm here. I'm here. I'm going to listen. I'm ready. I'm ready to respond. Just call to me. Just call to me. Just ask again. Just come back to the conversation. Don't turn away. You can trust me, he says. Call to me. And so the first thing we see here is that no matter what I face, God says, call to me. Then he follows up with this. He says, call to me and I will answer. And I will answer, he promises. This is a very powerful promise from God. 
After he says that to Jeremiah, he then goes on to reveal to Jeremiah, more specifically, how he's going to redeem and to restore Israel back to Jerusalem and back to the promised land. And he lays out this plan for Jeremiah. See, God was always willing to show Jeremiah the plan. He was always willing to give him the answers he was looking for if he would just call out to God for it. And this led me this week to a very basic but important principle that I think sometimes we don't fully grasp, and it's this, friends, listen. God has answers for prayers. I'm sorry, God has answers waiting for prayers you haven't even thought to pray yet. Think about that for a moment. God has answers waiting just waiting in the wing, stocked up, ready to go. He has answers waiting for your prayers that you haven't even thought to pray yet. And he promises to give them if we will call out to him. He's just waiting for us to ask. It's like this well of untapped knowledge and resources if we will just call to him and let him answer us. Again, this isn't just, an old, this isn't just like one verse in the Bible thing. We see this all throughout the New Testament. Let me give you some more verses. John 14, 13 through 14 says, Whatever you ask in my name, this is Jesus talking again, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask me anything, he says, I will do it. Again, that's a big statement, right? What? Like, is that really true? Is that really true? Like carte blanche, whatever you want, ask Jesus and he'll do it. Kind of. Because he does go on to explain why. You can't just use the one verse, right? Like You've got to get the whole context. He goes on in John 15, 7, and he says this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So there's the condition, right? Like, if you're with me, if, if, if you're fully invested in me, your faith is in Jesus, and I'm in you, and I'm, my Holy Spirit's living inside you, and my word is in you, if we're on the same page and we're moving together, then ask whatever you want. Because if we're really in line with Jesus, if we're really living by the Holy Spirit, guess what? We're only going to ask for things that Jesus wants. We're going to ask in line with his will and in line with his ways. And he is more than eager and happy to answer those prayers. If we'll just ask. He goes on further in John 15, verse 16, says it like this. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Again, there's a condition. Whatever you ask in my name, in line with my will, in line with my ways, he will give it to you. And so the promise stands for all those who are in Christ. You know, all those verses came from the Gospel of John, which was written by the Apostle John. Well, later on, he wrote some other books of the Bible. There are letters to some churches so the same author says this in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, towards God. This is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked for him. If we ask anything according to his will, we have the requests, he says. Now, here's the real truth, friends. When we pray, whether it's according to his will or not, God still answers. God always answers in one of four ways. Yes, if it's in accordance with his will. No, if it's not. Sometimes he answers other. You always love that on the test, right? Like D, other. Sometimes he answers other because he's like, hey, you asked for this thing, but I got something better over here. I'm going to give you that instead. And then sometimes he answers later. Yes, but not yet. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to wait. God always answers. But ultimately, our desire when we pray should be his answer anyways. Whatever he answers, that should be what we want. We should want his will over our requests. Because it's always better. It's always better. Right? Why would we want an answer that is anything less than the perfect will of God? Even if it's not what we asked for. Why would we want something that's anything less than the perfect will of God for our lives? God says, call to me and I will answer. I've come to the realization the last month here that we are now hitting the level of homework in our house that is forcing me to go back and relearn some things that I haven't done in 25 years, okay? And it, which is difficult because, like, I was, I was a pretty good student. I did pretty well in school. I didn't have to work too hard. It all just kind of flowed. And so, so it, normally, like, I can answer whatever question they have on the fly, no big deal, no problem. But now I'm having to like actually sit down and do some work to, to do this, and it's, it's getting frustrating. And it's reminded me how much I absolutely hate. I know you're not supposed to say hate. I'm going to say it. I hate diagramming sentences. I mean, come on. I mean, come on with that, right? Like, there we are on the couch, 10 p.m. I'm ready to go to bed. We're still trying to figure out subjects and verbs and direct objects and auxiliary verb. What's an auxiliary verb? Just give me a verb, right? Like, this is ridiculous. <sighs> so finally, I was just like, you know what? I don't know. So let's just ask Google, right? Because that's always the answer today, right? Like, just, just ask Google, and they'll tell you. Every, no matter what question you have, Google has an answer for you. Could be right, could be wrong, but it will have an answer for you. It will give you something to answer your question. And it got me thinking, like, why is it that we so easily, when we have questions, when we have problems, we'll so easily turn to Google or turn to a friend or turn to some so-called expert. We'll ask all these other sources, but we won't ask God. Like, maybe if, it, maybe if we get desperate, right? Maybe if it gets down to the end and we can't find any other solution, and there's no other, like, we have nowhere else to turn, then finally we'll call out to God and say, God, will you help me with this? Why is he the last call? 
He has the perfect answer that nobody else has for you. He should be the first one on the call list. Because he promises that he will answer. And his answer will always be the best. No matter what the question, God has the perfect answer waiting for me. It's waiting. It's right there. It's just waiting for me to reach out and take it. God says, call to me and I will answer you. And then thirdly, he says this. I love this part. He says, I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Point number three, great and hidden things. You see, prayer, what's so great about prayer is that it reveals to us the mind of God. Right? God, anybody else realize that God thinks differently than we think? Like 90% of the time? Right? And when we pray, it reveals God's mind to us. It gives us an insight. It gives us a picture into what he's thinking. And he promises here to tell us two things. Great things, because God's knowledge always exceeds our own. Right? It is ridiculous and prideful for us to ever think otherwise. He's always higher than us. Isaiah says that in 50, uh, Isaiah 55, 8, 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God has some some higher thoughts than we have. He has some great things that he knows that we don't know, which is the second part. He says, I'll show you great things, and I'll show you hidden things. Now, here at Harvest Man, we love God's word. Right? We study God's word. We believe God's word, every single word of it. And God has revealed in his word everything that we need to know. The Bible says that. Everything that you need to know for, for godliness and for salvation and for following Jesus, it's all in here. He has told us everything that we need to know in his word. But he has not told us everything that there is to know. There's a difference. He's given us everything that we need to know. He hasn't given us everything that there is to know. There are some things that only God knows that you and I don't know yet and no other human knows. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed in his word belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. So there are some hidden things. There are some secret things that only God knows. But here's what's great about Jeremiah 33.3. He says, if you call to me, I will answer you, and I will tell you. I will tell you the hidden things. He promises to tell us. Which brings us to another great principle here about prayer. The only way, the only way to know some things is through prayer. There are some things in this life that you will never know unless God reveals them to you in prayer. Because they're hidden. You don't have them. I don't have them. Right? Like, they don't come through God's word. They don't come through wise counsel of other believers. They don't come through preaching or teaching. All those things are great. All those things are fantastic sources to grow in our faith and to follow Jesus. They're important. But they can't replace what God can show you in prayer that you won't get anywhere else. 
Some answers only come through prayer, but first, we have to ask. And as we ask, God reveals his mind to us through prayer, and he helps us to thank the thoughts of God instead of the thoughts of us. We have some crummy thoughts sometimes. And we need to be thinking God's thoughts, not our thoughts. Not the thoughts of this world, not the thoughts of our flesh, not the thoughts of our finite human selves. We need to be thinking the thoughts of God, and we get those as we pray, and he reveals his mind to us. You see, prayer changes how we think to how God thinks. We see this again in the New Testament. I always like to give you that. It's like, I don't want you to come here like, Mike is giving us all this stuff that's not even in the New, like, it's in there. James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So right here, James says the same thing. If you lack wisdom, if you don't know, ask. Ask God. Pray for it, and God will give it to you. He will, he will tell you the things that you don't know. But again, here's a condition. He says, if you ask in faith. In this context, here's what faith means. Faith means believing that whatever answer God gives, it's the best answer. Right? If I'm going to pray in faith, I'm going to ask God to show me the answer. I have to believe that whatever he tells me, that's right. That's it. That's what I'm doing. If I pray with doubt, like he says here, he says pray without doubting. Doubt means to question God's answer. To question God's wisdom. Like, right, I'm going to ask God for his opinion, but then I'm going to decide whether it's his, his answer is better or my answer is better. Right? Bad move, by the way. Okay? That's praying in doubt. He says, those who pray in doubt, who ask in doubt, will receive nothing from God. Nothing. Because it's a, they're double-minded men or women, meaning they're split, their minds split between believing God and believing themselves. Because if you want to know, you've got to ask God in faith. Because only God can give me the great and hidden wisdom that I need. No one else has it. I don't have it. You don't have it. Only God has it. And so I must ask in faith, and God will give it. So here's what we're going to do. As we launch into this new series, Transforming Prayer, I want to encourage you, I want to invite you into a 40-day prayer challenge based on this verse. When you came in, you got a bookmark. looks like this. It should have been there, your sermon notes. If you missed yours or you dropped it or whatever, there's some more out in the lobby. You can grab one. What we've done on here is you look at the side that looks like this with the little white box on it. There's going to be three steps to this prayer challenge. Number one, I want you to write down an area of your life where you need God to speak to you. Something that's going on. It could be a relationship issue, could be a sin issue, could be financial, could be health, could be some, something you just need an answer. Like you, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what direction to go on this, God. I just need an answer. I need a, I need a direction here. Whatever it is. Whatever the biggest issue in your life is right now, I want you to write that down here in the top of this white box. 
And then step two, I want you to pray. I want you to commit to pray about that issue, that one thing, for the next 40 days. Every day for the next 40 days. And I want you to ask God to show you great and hidden things that will answer that issue in your life. And then step number three, I want you to record the great and hidden things that God shows you in the bottom of this box as a testimony to yourself and to the Lord that he answers prayer when we call to him. On the flip side, you have the verses that we just talked about went through today in the sermon, Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 2 and 3, and I gave you four prayer prompts underneath that related to that scripture. You can pray through those four prayer prompts every day, praying scripture back to the Lord and asking him to move and to, to, to speak to you and to, and to answer you as you call to him. If we really believe God's word, We say we believe the Bible here. If we really believe the Bible, then we need to do what it says, and God says, call to me, and I will answer you. Forty days. And at the end of 40 days, at the end of the sermon series, I cannot wait to see how God is going to transform our lives and our hearts through showing us answers to prayers that we've been struggling with. Maybe for weeks, maybe for months, maybe for years. He'll show us great and hidden things. And so the last piece here this morning is simply this. What will you call to God for? What's it going to be for you? God promises to answer when I call. He does. We want to believe and walk in that promise today, church. We want that to be our mantra, our, our, our foundation for the next 40 days. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to take just a few minutes in silent prayer. I, I want to give you time to, 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 to do this right now before you leave because some of y'all, if you don't do it now, you're going to walk out of here, you're going to go to Culver's, and then like after that it's done. Right? Like you're just out, like I'm, Whatever football, nap, whatever your thing is. We need to do it right now. I'm going to give you a few minutes in silent prayer. I want you to just ask the Lord. Think about it. Search your heart. What is the one thing? What is the issue? What is the question? What am I struggling with? What's the biggest need in my life right now? I want you to write that down. I want you to pray and ask God to start 40 days right here, right now, as you walk with him, that he would show you great and hidden things in that area of your life. Go ahead and bow your heads. Courtney's going to start playing just a little bit underneath us, just for a few minutes. Not, not going to take long. Seek your heart. Seek the Lord. Write something down in that white box.
afraid. Be afraid to ask for that big thing. That thing that you think he won't answer, the thing that you think he can't answer because he hasn't yet. That's exactly what you need to write down. deserve such grace and mercy. We do not deserve the undying love that you give towards us, Lord, but we gratefully receive it. We receive it and we respond to it. And so, Lord, we're asking right now, Lord, speak to us. Lord, show us your great wisdom. Answer our prayers, Lord, over these next 40 days. to work in our lives. We need you, Lord. We believe that you will. We believe that you can. And we are asking God in faith. We're calling out to you. Hear our prayers. Show us great hidden things. Just pray all this in Christ's name.